All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of the EdTech Academy podcast. Holy cow, we've made an episode two weeks in a row. Can you even believe it? That is the definition of consistency. Welcome to the show. I'm glad that you're tuning in. I'm excited to talk about some different things in the world of EdTech. So without further ado, let's get into it. I received some really good feedback last week from my good buddy, shout out to him, Kyle Carpenter. I used to be a teacher with him at Erie High School. Gave me some awesome advice, ways that I can improve the show. So you're going to be able to see some of those changes that I've implemented this week. Some of them I've maybe ignored for now, (laughs) but like a lot of them were just quality of life things for the podcast. And I think that it will get better as time goes on, as I have more practice. You know, I'm starting a podcast from scratch. I've never really done this before, and especially I've never done it by myself. So it's always kind of weird to just talk at a microphone, but I appreciate his feedback. And if you guys have any feedback, would love to hear that. So you can hit me up on our Facebook group at Ronnie Loves Tech, or you're welcome to email me directly at ronnie.williams at greenbush.org. So one of the pieces of advice that I'm going to take to heart immediately is having more dedicated names for my different sections of things that I talk about. And the other thing that I'm going to try and do this week is to not say, all right, (laughs) every single time that I do a new section, because I listened to the show a couple of different times throughout the week last week, just to try and find things that I messed up on. And that was something that definitely stuck out to me. All right. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do it this week. So the first section that I want to talk about today, I'm calling techie stuff and things. These are things that are maybe sort of kind of not necessarily related to ed tech, but just tech stuff in general that I purchase or stuff that I find throughout the week that I think is pretty cool that I want to talk about. And the techie thing this week that I want to talk about is my Mi Fitband 5. So this is a fitness tracker. Uh, It's very thin. Let me back up a second. I'm an Apple person. Uh, Like whenever we think about the commercials back in the day, I'm a Mac or I'm a PC. I'm definitely a Mac. I've always preferred Apple products. I don't have a superiority complex by any means. I think that they're awesome machines, but I also own a PC desktop as well. Both devices are great. I'm not going to put my my foot firmly in one camp or the other, but most of the devices that I own are Apple devices. I've got an iPhone, I've got an iPad, I've got an iMac, I've got a MacBook Pro, I've got an Apple TV. I've got lots of different Apple devices. And the one Apple thing that I don't have anymore is an Apple Watch because mine broke. And it's kind of a tough pill to swallow to purchase an Apple Watch because they're kind of pricey. The other thing that I really never liked about the Apple Watch is that they're just kind of large, and I wanted to have something on my wrist that would read text messages to me. I could glance down at my watch. I wouldn't have to look at my phone whenever my phone went off. Uh, The sleep tracking is something that's kind of important to me. I wanted to know the quality of my sleep. The other thing that's really important to me is battery life, and the battery life on Apple Watches is frankly hot garbage. It's just real bad. I had to charge my Apple Watch every single day, and so that meant that I couldn't leave it on while I slept and do any kind of sleep tracking. Well, in doing some 
research on Amazon, I typed in fitness tracker and I ran across a little product called the Me Fitband 5. And actually, if you look for it on Amazon, you can just search for Me Band 5 and that's Me spelled M-I. It is currently only $32.21 as of Friday, August the 6th. And I love this watch, fitness tracker, whatever you want to call it, because you get so much in such a smaller package. Like it's, it just, it just feels good on the wrist. It's not uncomfortable. I purchased a bunch of different accessory bands for it. I got 15 bands for $10. So anybody that wants to color coordinate their fitness band with their outfit, you can look fabulous with the MeFit Band 5. Not an advertisement, just a piece of tech that I found that I absolutely love. Oh, and did I mention the battery life? 14 days of battery life before you have to recharge this thing. I've had it for two months, so this is real-world testing. I get notifications from my phone on it. I get text messages, Snapchat notifications. It just, it just works. It tracks your steps. It tracks your sleep. It tracks your heart rate. It does all of the things that I want a fitness tracker to do for a fraction of the price and with much, much better battery life. So if you're interested in something like that, Me Band 5, search that up on Amazon. Currently $32.21. All right, the next section. Oh no, I said all right, I'm not gonna do that. The next section is called Listener Feedback. And we had one person that provided some listener feedback after episode one. So if you want to provide listener feedback and be featured on an episode of EdTech Academy podcast, please submit your feedback. But again, shout out to Kyle Carpenter for his feedback this week. So hopefully we're going to add in some audio transitions in between the different sections to kind of differentiate those. He also mentioned that the audio at the end of the show was way too loud, and he was absolutely correct. Uh, I had a real hard time hearing my own voice whenever I was listening to this in the car at the end of the show. So I'm going to take in uh, several of his little pieces of feedback and immediately implement them into the show to try and make it better. Uh, he did mention that I sounded a little stiff, and uh, <laughs> he said that I just, you know, I need practice. With, with practice, I'll become more at ease with this, and he's exactly right. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the color code, but if you're not, search up color code, and it's a personality test, and usually those kinds of things are a little bit... Uh, weird to me. I don't, I don't believe in them, but a couple of years ago, whenever I joined Greenbush, I joined uh, as one of the color code trainers for the school improvement services team, and I got to take the color code assessment, and it revealed to me that I am a white, 74% white, in fact, and that was really dead on. Everything that it told me about myself, I was like, yep, they've, they've totally nailed me, and what you need to know about whites is that we crave peace. That's what we're motivated by more than anything. We're the peacemakers in society, but also we're not the kind of people that will start a podcast. We're not the kind of people that will just sit around and talk for hours and hours and hours. But we are also known as the chameleons of the color code. And so we mold and shape and shift ourselves into different situations as we need to kind of fit in. And I've, I'm interested in starting a podcast, so I did, 
And of course, it's not natural for me to just sit here and talk and to be super engaging and fun and to not be stiff, as Kyle pointed out. He's exactly right. But that's something that I'm going to work on. And hopefully, uh, as you see the evolution of this podcast, as I get more practice with it, I'm just going to get better and better at it. So thank you again, Kyle, for your feedback. The other piece of feedback that I received this week was during a live session that I hosted for the special education group at Greenbush. I did a two-hour professional development session on Google Workspace. And during that session, I share all kinds of tips and tricks that one could utilize with programs like Gmail, Google Drive, uh, Calendar, things like that. And so we had a break in the middle of the session and in the chat, <laughs> one of my uh, one of my coworkers uh, mentioned in the chat that everybody here now believes that you are very appropriately titled as the Bob Ross of Greenbush. <laughs> uh, I I told him I was like I I don't know how to take that you know like Bob Ross he's got an awesome head of hair I don't have that um, he's like everybody loves Bob Ross like he's very calm and soothing and engaging he's he's I don't know is he is he kind of creepy is he kind of kind of goofy so I think I'm I'm definitely goofy I don't think I'm creepy and then uh they just said back all of the good things that you said and none of the bad things that's that's why we refer to you as the Bob Ross of Greenbush so Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, I want to introduce you to the Bob Ross of Greenbush. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means, but honestly, I love it. I think that that's really cool. And now we are going to slide into the next section, which I'm going to call Academy Additions. This is the part of the show where I'm just going to take a couple of minutes to let you know what new additions have landed on EdTech Academy. This week, we added a brand new crash course that covers Google Docs, Google Sheets, and Google Slides. It's kind of a three-for-one. Usually, our crash courses focus on just one EdTech tool, but this week, we got you a supersized crash course where it focuses on all three of those tools. If you don't know what a crash course is, it's a deep dive into an EdTech tool. So if you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced user, you can log into the crash course. You can plan to spend an hour to two hours moving through the module. And within there, you can count on me kind of doing a webinar-ish format where I've done screen recordings and I've shown you the ins and outs of everything that you need to know about the EdTech tool. And of course, it's more than just a tech demonstration. I provide to you ideas for integration within your classroom as well. So don't think that it's just gonna be me talking about how to use the tech tool. I come at this from an educational background and I know that that's the folks that I'm serving. So that's what I wanna focus on whenever I make anything. The other cool thing about all of our crash courses on EdTech Academy is that you have the option to take a quiz at the end of the crash course to test your knowledge on that tool. And the good thing about this is that you can earn a customized digital credential that's essentially your proof of your time spent and your knowledge gained on that crash course. So this would be something that you could turn in for professional development points, or you could turn in as an artifact on your evaluation, or if you're looking to change jobs at some point, this would be a great addition to kind of bolster your portfolio and show what kinds of skills you actually bring to the table. 
So that's all we added this week on EdTech Academy. Next week is going to be a little bigger week because we're going to resume the newsletter starting on August 12th. So be on the lookout for that. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter, I will make sure to put a link to the subscription in the description of the podcast below. We are now ready for the last section of the podcast this week. And that was another piece of feedback that uh, Mr. Carpenter gave me. He said, maybe fewer topics and more time spent on the topics, just kind of tightening the package up. So that's kind of what we're trying this week. I don't have a title for this section yet, but this is the part of the show where I'm hoping I will be able to insert the interviews that I do with my future guests. And I've got three future guests lined up for the EdTech Academy podcast. So I'm super stoked to have those folks volunteer to be on the show. And if you are interested in volunteering to be on the EdTech Academy podcast in the future, would love to have you. Please reach out to me anytime. But in order to provide you a little bit of an overview of what it's going to look like if you do volunteer to be a guest, I wanted to go through the interview questions that I've formulated for my guests and actually answer those myself so you guys can hear my answers and you can kind of get an idea of what you would be getting into if you were a guest on the show in the future. So question number one, share with our audience a bit about your background, where you teach, what you teach, something unique about you, and your Tech Ninja rating. And what I mean about Tech Ninja rating is, I thought it would be nice to provide some context for folks on everybody's background, like how good they feel like they are on tech. It's really hard to, to look in at yourself and to think about your own personality, your own skills, and to allow yourself to be just a little bit vulnerable. I am going to give myself a personal Tech Ninja rating of four, one being lowest, five being highest. I'm going to give myself a four. I feel like I know some things. You know, I was I was chosen to be in the position that I'm in for a reason. You know, some folks recognize my nerdiness, my skill set, and I feel really confident in helping others with tech integration. But I also don't think that I know everything. Uh, I know that I've got lots of room for growth. So that's why I think that it's appropriate for me to give myself a four. I think I'm, I'm above average as far as tech integration goes, but uh, I'm still not 100% of the way there. There's always room for growth. So to share a bit about my background, I started in education about 12 years ago at Erie High School. I was a an English teacher, a senior and junior level English teacher for four years at Erie High School. I actually interviewed at Erie High School for a special education position. Uh, but while I was in the interview, the superintendent at the time looked at my resume and he was like, uh, you know, you've already got your credential for being a high school English teacher and we've got an opening. Do you want to interview for that job also while you're here? I didn't have a special education license. They were going to put me on a waiver if I got that job. Well, maybe lucky for them, <laughs> they had an English opening because um, that job that job worked out really well. I loved being an English teacher. I did a lot of project-based learning. Of course, I integrated tons of technology within my practice. I only had four years in the classroom, so that that time was you know pretty short-lived. But I, I loved it. I really did, um, especially 
maybe the last couple of weeks of school were always the best with seniors because they just got really reflective and really appreciative and, and just kind of let you know how they felt. And, and I, I just really enjoyed being a classroom teacher. So after I was a classroom teacher, I was actually hired to be the district technology coordinator in the spring, and then I was going to start doing that job the following year. Uh, however, I had just finished my administrative license that spring also, and unfortunately, uh, at the time, the elementary principal in the Erie School District was in a car accident, and so they asked me to step in in an interim role for uh, a, a year until that principal could come back. So I did the, the elementary principal thing without any background at all in, in elementary education, really in general. I didn't do any observations in elementary for my practicum or my undergraduate studies. Uh, you know, I kind of went in there a little bit blind, but, you know, I, I remember very vividly when I was mulling over, you know, whether or not I should do this job. I went over to the elementary school and I just observed the kiddos and the teachers for a day. And I realized real quick that elementary students love being in school and that I was going to fit in really well. And, and boy, did I fit in really well. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that I was ever a tremendous academic leader, but as far as positive behavior interventions and supports, uh, being a fun principal, making school an enjoyable and safe environment for my kids, I think that I did okay on that front. If you can picture the movie Billy Madison, that was, that was kind of me in that school. I was just a big kid uh, trying to make things fun and enjoyable for the kids and for my staff. I would go in, I'd play dodgeball with kids, I would, I would mix it up, um, you know, they duct taped me to the wall, they threw pies in my face, anything and everything that I could do to, to make that environment more fun for my kids, I was, I was game for. So I also did that job for four years, which is, which is kind of weird, and now I've been at Greenbush for a total of three years, getting ready to go into my fourth year, so that's kind of scary. I, I love my job at Greenbush. Uh, if you've ever heard of the concept, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I. If you look that up, it's a Japanese term, and it means finding fulfillment and purpose within one's life. So in order to kind of easily explain Ikigai, they've got this really beautiful diagram, and essentially it's, it's a bunch of Venn diagrams all stacked together. There's four of them. So it's what you are good at, it's what you love, it's what the world needs, and what you can be paid for. And if you can find a job that kind of puts you square in the middle of all four of those things, then you feel absolute fulfillment in your life. And I can honestly say, without a doubt, uh, I am right in the middle of my icky guy with my current role. I love technology. I love helping people. I feel really, really fortunate to work for a company such as Greenbush, where they, you know, support educators, where we get to proactively work on different problems and solutions for folks. EdTech Academy wasn't a thing that we really had a true model for. We just got together, uh, me and my boss, Don Grostadier, we got together over the course of a year and we looked at feedback survey from folks, you know, telling us how, what kinds of professional development they were wanting, how we could help them with tech, and we just dreamt it up. And 
honestly, as a building principal, I always felt like I was being reactive in like 99% of the situations. Proactivity is, is really important to me because like I said, I'm a peacemaker. I like to feel fulfillment within work. I'm sure that everybody can relate to that sentiment. And uh, like I said, I just, I feel really blessed that I'm in a situation where I'm dead center in the middle of my icky guy. Something unique about me would be that I own and operate a fairly successful side hustle in the form of a Lego business. So whenever I was an elementary principal, I got into collecting and building Lego as a way to connect with the kiddos and to have kind of a, a common interest and language that we could talk about. And that blossomed into a full-blown um, obsession, maybe is the word I'll use. I had all kinds of Lego sets. They were taking up all of the space in my house. And in the last couple of years, I've kind of switched from being a collector and builder of Lego to being a Lego investor. So I've got a store where folks can go to a website and they can buy individual parts and pieces of Lego sets. They can buy minifigures, but I've also invested heavily in sealed Lego sets because you may not know this, but Lego has proven to be a better investment than gold over time. The reason for this is that LEGO releases sets, and they're usually available for a year or maybe two years, and then they retire them. And then once they retire, folks will want to purchase those sets, but they're no longer available. So what I do is I buy the LEGO sets, I put them on a shelf, they stay there for a couple of years and mature in value, a lot like a savings bond. And then whenever the time is right, I will sell those and make a tidy profit. I've been selling for five or six years, I think. I've had my Lego store, and it's just a, a fun little side hustle. It definitely does not cover the bills by any means, but it's something that's a hobby of mine, something I enjoy doing, and definitely something that's, pre and definitely something that's pretty unique about me. The next question is, when you think of technology, what is the first word that comes to mind and why? The first word that comes to my mind is definitely engagement. I remember being a teacher and really not feeling like I knew what the heck I was doing until about year number three, like year three hit and I was like, okay, I've kind of got this, this teaching thing down. I know what it's all about. But whenever I started to integrate more technology in my classroom, the thing that I noticed is that the kids were just more and more engaged every time that I did it. Was it always perfect? Heck no. <laughs> you know, the Chromebooks wouldn't be charged or the internet would go down or I would forget how to use the technology. It was never perfect, but over time I got more and more comfortable and confident with using it. And that meant that the engagement level in my classroom became higher and higher. So yeah, you can be a teacher and not integrate any technology in your classroom at all and still be highly engaging. Mr. Paulson, my eighth grade, I think it was eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade history teacher, my gosh, that man could weave a tale together and uh, everybody would just hang on his every word. Like everybody probably has a teacher from their history that they know that's like that. That is not Ronnie Williams. I am not the most engaging speaker of all time. Oh, I've got a podcast and I just, I just said that, but hey, <laughs> coming to terms with who you are is is half the battle and I rely heavily on technology to help me out with engagement so that's my one word when I think of technology
Next question is, what is your history with tech implementation? Was it natural for you or did you have to work at it? I think for me, it was kind of a mix of both. Uh, from a young age, I was helping folks to integrate technology, and that was in the form of my grandparents. They would call up and they'd say, hey, we've got this VHS recorder, and we don't know how to plug it in. We don't know how to turn it on. We don't know how to record. Please help us. <laughs> so I would march down to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and I would plug in their VHS recorder, and I would show them how to work it, and I was always very patient with them. I never got frustrated with them. Never, I promise. Never happened. And I really enjoyed that. I got a good sense of purpose and confidence and happiness from helping them to plug in and work their VHS recorder. Then I got a job in Walmart, in, uh, and I was a cashier for a while, but they, they soon realized that I had the nerdy uh, background and behavior and that I love technology, so they moved me to the electronics boutique, and I got to help folks with technology all the time, and that was also super fun. Uh, not every day was, was pie in the sky. I'm not going to tell you that working in the electronics department uh, in Walmart was, was my calling in life. It certainly was not. But then after I got into my own classroom and I started to work at implementing technology, uh, it was somewhat natural to me. Like I knew I wanted to implement technology. I had to work at it for sure. It wasn't just something that every day I showed up and bam, magic happened with technology. That's not how it was at all. But I guess, I guess I was a little bit of a natural. But that all came from my background. And I think that anybody looking to implement technology needs to never measure themselves against another teacher because everybody has a different skill set. Everybody comes from a different background. And if you're going to integrate tech, you can, you can do it. Anybody can do it. You just have to dedicate the time to looking into the tech, to learning the skill, to doing whatever it is that you need to do. But again, I'm not the kind of educator to force technology upon anybody. I think that you need to look... Actually, there's a quote that I found recently, and it's a quote that I'm going to share at all of my back-to-school professional developments to kind of frame in uh, my teaching and kind of my ideas on tech in general. Here's, here's the quote. We don't need tech geeks who will teach. We need teaching geeks who will tech. And then uh, I, I, just, I just really like that because... So I found this recently in a blog post from Matt Miller, which if you're not following him on Twitter, please do so. He's got an awesome blog. He wrote the uh, Ditch That Textbook book, another uh, an awesome book. I might have even mentioned that last week in last week's show, but I would recommend checking him out. He wrote a blog post where he included that quote from another educator, but he goes on to say, and I really like this too, keep your eyes and ears open for tools that are the right fit, the ones that fit you and your students and can impact what you teach. You know, don't don't try and find that shiny brand new ed tech tool just because you think that uh, you, you see maybe a colleague using it. You know, you can't measure yourself against your colleagues. Everybody's different. You know your students better than anybody else. Be evaluative, be aware of tech tools that are out there, and then think about how you can implement the ones that you think are cool and that will work for your own practice. The next question is, to you, what are some of the game-changing apps and or pieces of hardware that you love? For me, as far as applications go, ClassKick 
Pear Deck slash Nearpod, Quizzes, and Loom are my absolute favorites that I always talk about everywhere I go. ClassKick is this really smooth application where you can very easily digitize worksheets, and then you can actually watch your students complete those digital worksheets as they are working on them. Pear Deck and Nearpod, probably everybody knows about those at this point, but uh, to me, those are kind of the same tool. That's why I lump them together. But essentially, it allows you to bring the... If you guys remember, back in the day, there were these things called clickers, where a teacher could ask a question, and the students would have these little devices. They were called clickers, and they could input a response. And so that was a really easy way for the teacher to ask a question and have every student respond in real time. And to me, that's kind of what Pear Deck and Nearpod are. It's the 21st version of that, where you can have a question and you can ask your students and they can respond. These things are amazing. The next one on my list was Quizzes, and this is an updated and better version of Kahoot, in my opinion. My issue with Kahoot is that uh, though competition breeds positivity a lot of times, it's good for a lot of kids. For some of the kids that I worked with, especially at the elementary school, it would be a very big uh, issue with them if, if, if they were behind, if they were losing. So what I love about quizzes is that it kind of flips that model on its head, and you can have uh, kiddos working together either uh, in teams or as an entire class. And instead of it being a case like in Kahoot, if you answer a question wrong early in the game, you could be out of that game pretty quickly uh, right there out of the gate. Whereas with quizzes, you can earn these power-ups throughout the game, and that allows a student to kind of stay in the game even if they answer one incorrectly. In addition to that, if they answer one incorrectly later on, they're going to get the opportunity to try that question again. So I love whenever there's always opportunity for improvement later on. The last tool that I love is Loom, and it is screen recording software. It's my favorite screen recording software. It's free for educators if you go to loom.com backslash education, and it will allow you to record up to 45-minute screen recordings all with one go. And then you also have unlimited storage space, so you can record as many videos as you want. The other cool part about that is that it doesn't store it on Google Drive or somewhere like that where you might have limited storage. It stores it in Loom's private cloud. So as soon as you're done with the recording, it uploads to Loom's private cloud. You get a link that you can share out immediately. There's, there's usually no processing time at all, and you can immediately turn around and share that with your kiddos. So now that we're hopefully past a lot of remote learning and maybe you're not going to do as much screen recording this year, you might think about using Loom to do substitute plans. So if you're going to be gone for the day, you know, you don't just have to write down your plans and give those to the sub for them to interpret to the students. You can go on to Loom, you can record yourself, you could even introduce a new topic, a new website, and teach the kiddos and get them set up for success. Throw that on Google Classroom, email it to your kiddos, wherever you need to put it, but that's Loom is just, it's great. You can record just your screen, you can record your screen and your webcam at the same time, or you can just record your webcam. Super flexible free loom.com backslash education hashtag not a sponsor but i just love it and then the last question anything else you want to share with our audience you can share your social media handles here if you'd like you guys know where to find me at this point so i won't really share any social media stuff i think that this is the point of the show 
where I can start to turn that music on ever so quietly and start to fade out. I want to say thank you to you all for watching. You're not watching the show. I want to say thank you to you all for listening to the show this week. Like I said at the top of the show, if you have any feedback, please forward that my way. I want to make this show better and better and better as we go. I enjoy making it. I'm going to continue doing it. So we might as well keep improving on it together. More than anything, I hope that it's useful. I hope that everyone has a fantastic week next week. Stay cool out there. It's going to be a warm one this week again. Thank you, Kansas. I love you. (laughs) Take care, everybody. And as always, happy ed teching.